come and, and share with you what the Lord is doing. We, we appreciate your pastor allowing us to be here and taking the time and uh, being in the Phoenix area. We try to get out with our handbells and our chamber singers and let people know what God is doing there in Chandler. And so if you are interested in more information, there's a, there's a bulletin type of packet that gives you a lot of details on the college. You can pick that up. Uh, there's also a number of other things. Dr. Bryson heads up our music program. Uh, we've got CDs, one of those. Uh, he, he composed a number of those songs, and uh, there are, you can get the information for Google Play and iTunes and everything else as well as the CDs. But Our Eyes Are Upon You, Lord, is a, a song that he wrote and a number on there really of sharing what the Lord is doing. And I trust that our time together will encourage your hearts. Follow with me as I begin reading in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman, or the farmer, that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Let's look to the Lord in prayer as we begin considering this passage this morning. Father, we thank you for sending your Son into this world to pay the penalty for our sins. That Christ saves sinners by dying for sinners. And as we reflect upon that sacrifice that was made this, this coming week and then the resurrection next Sunday, Lord, we pray that we would strive to be faithful in serving you. We pray that we would apply your word to our lives this morning, that we would live for your glory. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. John Frederick Parker lived at 57 L Street North in Washington, D.C. He lived there with his wife, Mary, and his three children, Cora, Sally, and Kate. He supported himself and his family by working as a carpenter. But when the Metropolitan Police Force was formed in 1861, John became one of the first 150 officers. John's record, though, as a police officer was rather spotty. Over the next few years, he was brought before the police board on various charges, including conduct unbecoming an officer, firing his pistol through a window, being drunk on duty, being asleep on duty, and using abusive and insulting language. Sometimes the charges were dismissed, other times he was reprimanded, but John was never fired. So on the night of April 14th of 1865, John was supposed to report to work at 4 p.m., but instead he showed up at 7 p.m., three hours late. His assignment was to guard a government official who was attending the production of a play, Our American Cousin. From his guard post, Parker could hear the play, but he couldn't see what was going on. So he moved to a better seat. 
at intermission, John Parker, Charles Forbes, and Francis Burke went to a saloon next door to the theater for a drink. It's doubtful that John Parker ever returned to the Ford Theater. What is known is that another man, also named John, who had earlier that evening been drinking, probably at the same saloon, entered the state box that Parker was supposed to be guarding and at point-blank range shot Abraham Lincoln in the head. The other man was John Wilkes Booth. One of President Lincoln's bodyguards, William Crook, said this about Parker. Had he done his duty, I believe that President Lincoln would not have been murdered by Booth. Parker knew that he had failed in his duty and he was never the same man afterward. John Parker proved unfaithful. He got distracted. It doesn't appear that his motives were evil, but he lost sight of his responsibility, of his calling. He failed to recognize that there were individuals seeking to harm the president and that there was a battle that was taking place. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul admonishes his spiritual son in the faith, Timothy, to remain faithful. He's admonishing him not to lose track or sight of what he is being called to do. And in this passage, we find probably the most familiar of the soldier passages that Paul uses. He uses that metaphor a number of times. He, he uses it in his first letter to Timothy to tell him to obey orders, to fight the battle, to stay on duty. But in this passage, he's challenging Timothy to perseverance. And in the verses we read, we can glean from the characteristics that Paul lays out of what it means to be a faithful soldier of Jesus Christ. And that's what I would like us to consider this morning. Paul is writing in a, in a relational aspect as he says, Thou therefore, my son. He's writing to somebody with whom he has a relationship. Someone with whom he is burdened, he's concerned for his, his well-being and that he would be faithful. And then he admonishes him in verse 2, and this is, the, this is the theme verse for International Baptist College. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall teach others also. When I was installed as the, the president at International Baptist College and Seminary. At that ceremony, that service, it was our commencement, Dr. Kevin Shaw preached. Pastor Shaw pastors Northwest Valley Baptist Church on the north side of Phoenix, and he was the speaker. And he spoke on this verse. And what was instructive was as I was sitting on the platform, as he was speaking, Behind him on the platform were men who had taught Pastor Shaw when he was a student at IBCS. In front of him was his own son, Christopher, who was graduating. And it was a testimony of the things that he had heard he had committed to faithful men. And not long after that, I had the privilege of being in the Sunday school class as Christopher Shaw taught others also. 
That's what we seek to do. That is our purpose as each one of us has opportunity to share with others, our children, our grandchildren, or, or others of what God has done. And to raise up a generation who shall teach others also. You know, within, in our world, the, the way that people evaluate success often tends to be on talent. Well, I, I couldn't do what they did. I can't play an instrument like they, they do. Well, practice has a lot to do with it. But say, I, I don't have that natural ability. That's how our world often looks at it. Or, or numbers. Well, how big is a, a church? Or external success. What are the things we see? God's basis of evaluation is faithfulness. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so in this context, Paul is admonishing Timothy to be faithful. To be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. That Timothy as a pastor was to show forth what God had taught him. It says, my son, it's a relationship. Our, our motto for the college is mentoring God-fearing leaders into ministry. Mentoring has to be done in a relational setting. We do that as parents. We do that as grandparents. With those that we have a relationship with. And as we develop those opportunities. And so this is what Paul is admonishing Timothy. The importance of this. Thou therefore my son, you, you my child in the faith. Take what you have heard and give it to others that will faithfully pass it on to another generation. I really believe that our ministries, as we're serving the Lord in whatever area He calls you to serve, that we will never fully realize the ramifications of ministry this side of eternity until we're in heaven. Because we don't know what's going to be done as the seed is planted and, or watered and down the road God gives the increase. And how that goes forth. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if, if you have turned from your sin and put your trust in the finished work of Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, you are a follower of Christ and to be found faithful. That all followers of Christ have been given a, a stewardship, a, a responsibility in life to live for the glory of God, to, to use our talents, our abilities, to, to handle the truth in a way that is pleasing to God. Are we going to be found faithful? Well, what does it mean to be a faithful follower of Christ? I think there are four things that we can see in this passage that, that can guide us that we too might hear, well done, faithful servant. See, to be a faithful follower of Christ, the first thing that you must do is faithfully assume duty. That's really what we see in verse 2. That as Paul is admonishing Timothy, he is telling him that he needs to be faithful in committing to others. He, he tells him in chapter 1, verse 18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, that thou might wage a good war. Fight a good fight. He's telling Timothy, be zealous. Be aggressive. Be willing to step out of your comfort zone as we, we discussed in the, uh, the adult Sunday school time. We need to think biblically. 
We need to allow God's word to influence all of our thoughts. As I recently read, was reading a book and the author made the comment, he said, the way that we get information today in bits and pieces, you know, a, a post on Facebook, something on Instagram, a headline over here, another piece over there, he said all of that causes us to lose sight of the fact that there is a bigger picture, that God is working, that God is in control. As Christians, we have to make sure that our thoughts are being directed by God. Timothy is being admonished to accept the responsibility that he has to, to wear the uniform of a Christ follower proudly. Not to be timid. Saying, Tim Timothy, the things that you have heard, you give to others who will then in turn teach others. Commit to faithful men. Look for those who are faithful that will pass it on to others. See, to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, we have to assume duty. But there's a second thing that we see in this passage that to be a faithful Christ follower, we must accept difficulty. Look at verse 3. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be tough. No one goes to war from a, from a place of luxury. The battlefield is not a, a, a place of relaxation. And the Christian life is a battle. If you're going to live for God in a culture that is becoming more and more anti-God, it means we have to go realize it's a battle. It's not against flesh and blood, but it is a battle for the truth. And so Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you have to accept difficulty. You have to understand that there are going to be challenges, there are going to be struggles, and, and while we might want it easy, that's not the Christian life. That if we're going to stand for the Lord, that, that it's going to be a challenge. In fact, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And often we, we forget about that. We don't like that. We, we don't want difficulty. We want it easy. A number of years ago, I had the, the privilege of teaching some Chinese pastors. They had been brought out of China to an undisclosed location where, where they were being taught. And I, and I had the privilege of teaching, and, and I would do it through an interpreter. And then in the evening, they would come to my apartment in groups of five or six with their, the interpreter, and, and they would share with me their testimony. And, and I started to realize I was there to teach them, but I was the one who was really learning. And I remember one man, as he came and he, and he told how they had been having a church service, and the, the authorities in that community came in and broke up the service. They, they arrested a number of people. They, they confiscated the house where they were meeting. And he was imprisoned. He was sent to one prison. His wife was sent to another prison. And, and he told me how in that prison the guards would point out the Christians to the other prisoners and tell them to beat them up. But he said, well, he was there. He was there for about three months. And he said, I was able to, to lead three men to the Lord. And then he said, so I think it was worth it. 
And I was convicted. I thought, what a testimony this, that this man who's faced persecution and spent time in prison for his faith said, I think it's worth it because he had led souls to Christ. That's the heart of what Timothy is being admonished to understand. Thou therefore endure hardness. But the, the Greek word there is not Paul saying, well, Timothy, it's going to be tough. And, and so you go out there and I'll be behind you. I'll be praying for you. The Greek word is actually a compound word that says, suffer affliction with. Paul is not pushing Timothy out. He's inviting him in. He's saying, Timothy, endure hardness with me. Join me in the battle for serving the Lord. He says, this, this is exciting that we can serve the Lord together. And, and yes, there will be difficulties. And yes, there will be problems and trials. But we're on the winning side. Say, Timothy, serve with me. He told them earlier in, in chapter 1, verse 8, he said, don't be ashamed of the gospel. He says, and don't be ashamed of me as his prisoner. Because Paul was imprisoned for his testimony. But instead he says, join with me in the affliction for the gospel. Be willing to serve, to, to step out as we talked about in Sunday school again, out of our comfort zone to serve. That as there are needs in the church and, and having been a pastor and serving in churches, there, there are always things to be done. Say, well, I don't know if I'm really comfortable with that. Are we willing to step out of our comfort zone and endure difficulty to be found faithful? To serve the Lord with gladness. And Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you've got to accept duty. You have to understand there's a responsibility and, and then you have to be willing to, to accept the difficulties that come in that. But there's a third thing that Timothy is told that must take place if he's going to be faithful and that's in verse 4. In verse 4 he says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Not only did he have to faithfully assume duty and accept difficulty, but if you want to be a faithful follower of Christ, you have to avoid distractions. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Don't get distracted by the world. That's what Paul is admonishing Timothy to guard against here. Or as we read in Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore, lay aside every sin and the weight. The weights may not be sin, but they're distractions. So, well, that's not really wrong, but if it takes us off point, if it takes us off course, if it distracts us from serving the Lord, if, if we're too tired to serve God, then we've become distracted. You know, sometimes we say, oh, I just, I've got too much else going on. God has given us all the time we need to do everything He wants us to do. So if we say, well, you know, I just don't have time to read my Bible. Maybe we need to examine how we're spending the time God's given us. What are the things that are taking us away from being in the Word, from being in church, from being willing to serve, that, that we will avoid distractions? Our world has lots of things to get our attention. Our world offers lots of areas, whether it be the entertainment or prosperity or just the busyness of our culture. 
I'm old enough to know that when computers started coming along and all these things, how, how we were told how it would free up our time. Yeah. How's that worked out for us? Instead of freeing us up, we get tethered. We can, we can answer emails everywhere instead of just in the office. And while that may be a blessing in some areas, it can become a distraction as well. Are we faithful in serving the Lord? Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, don't become distracted. Don't, don't allow the things of this world to take your eyes off of serving the Lord. Yes, there are going to be difficulties. Don't quit. But also don't become distracted by the things around you. That we want to be faithful in serving the Lord. So well, I, I don't know what that means. There might be hardships. Yes, there might. But the, the best place to live is in the center of God's will. It's the safest place. It's the place of most security. And for us as parents and grandparents, it's the safest place for our children and grandchildren to be in the center of God's will. And I've, I've preached that for years and in parenting classes. And, you know, it, it's easy when your kids are still in your house. But right now, uh, our son and daughter-in-law are, are in a country serving the Lord where as they went, they were told, you know what, you can't stay at the campsite with the kids because it's not safe. And everywhere you go, we want you to have a police escort. And I start thinking, wait a minute, is, and I have to remind myself, they're in the center of God's will. That's the safest place to be. And God can actually protect them in ways that I cannot. That we have to be careful that we do not become distracted by, by the God of safety. That we will serve the Lord. You know, John Parker got distracted from, from his duty. It was a lack of character. It was a lack of desire to please others. He, he sought to please himself. But a faithful follower of Christ must assume duty and accept difficulty. We must avoid distractions, but there's a reason for all of this, and that's the wonderful motivation. It's the, the fourth thing that we see in this passage. Look at verse 4, the last half. That no man in wars worth entangles himself with the affairs of this life why that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier to faithfully follow the lord we will faithfully anticipate that decoration of hearing well done that we will please him who has called us you know as we consider this week the today that triumphal entry hosanna the cries, blessed is he that comes, and, and the king. And yet it won't be long, and the cries will be crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. And the rejection of the Messiah. And yet he was bruised for our iniquities. His, he was chastised for our sin. With his stripes we are healed. And to understand that not only did he die for us, he's called us to serve him. That when we have turned from our sin and put our trust in the finished work of Christ alone, that if you are here today and have done that, he's called you to serve. And that we can look forward to hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. That that's why we strive. 
after the, the Civil War, back in 1886, the, the Union officers wanted to commemorate and remember the soldiers who had died in battle. So they set aside a day that was called Decoration Day to remember those who had given their lives in that war. We still celebrate that day. We celebrate it the last Monday of May, though we call it Memorial Day. The poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a poem titled Decoration Day, and it concludes with these lines. Your silent tents of green we deck with fragrant flowers. Yours has the suffering been, the memory shall be ours. They wanted to remember the sacrifice that was made in that war. Do you know what I find tremendously encouraging? In Hebrews chapter 6, verse, verse 10, it says that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Sometimes you serve the Lord and you may be serving and say, you know, nobody really notices what I'm doing. I'm trying to be faithful to the Lord in this area and, and things aren't working out well and I've got problems over here. Does anybody see? It says God is not unjust to forget. God remembers, he sees, and he remembers your work of love. So be faithful. Remain faithful in serving him. Anticipate hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. The, Paul is admonishing Timothy to be a faithful follower of Christ, to be a, a faithful soldier, to persevere and not give up. You know, sometimes when it gets hard, we, we start wondering, is this really what God's called me to? I, I spent a number of years working uh, with ad, the administration of a college, and, and I, I found that often around midterms, students would start wondering if this was really God's will for their life. <laughs> Don't we all feel that way? It's like, you know what, I'm not sure this is where I'm supposed to be. Maybe I'm out of God's will, because it gets hard. We have to endure hardness. We have to be faithful. See, Paul is saying the, that the soldier must be devoted to a purpose. But it's interesting in this passage, and I'm not going to exp expand on these, but I do want us to see them. That in verse 5, he changes the picture. He changes the metaphor. He, he's been talking about the soldier. And now in verse 5, he says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. He's saying, the athlete, he goes from the soldier to the athlete, and he says, the athlete who's involved in the competition has to keep the rules. We just had the, the Winter Olympics. There were certain athletes that got disqualified when they did drug testing and found out, you know what, they had performance-enhancing drugs. They were trying to get an unfair advantage and they were disqualified. It wasn't because they didn't do the event properly. It was they didn't do it by the rules. Paul is admonishing Timothy, Timothy, you have to keep the rules. Do what pleases God, not what gets you the advantage. I find that a fascinating and even a convicting statement 
Because often in ministry today, and we see it all around our, our country, that in broad Christianity, people are, well, what works? The real question is what works for God's glory and His way. I think of Moses. When, when Moses got angry and the children of Israel were, were struggling because they were thirsty and there wasn't any water and they were in the desert and, and Moses says, do, you know, do we have to get water for you? And he struck the rock. And do you remember what happened? Water came out. For the children of Israel, they got water. Their thirst was quenched. Their flocks got water. They, th it worked. And God said to Moses, because you did not glorify me, you lacked faith, you will not go into the promised land. The question was not, did it work? I don't, I don't really think most of the Israelites were all that upset about how the water came. They just wanted water. But the real question is, does it work to God's glory? As athletes, we have to keep the rules. But now he changes the, the picture again. <clears throat> going from the soldier who has to be faithful to duty to the athlete who, who has to keep the rules, no, no rules, no wreath. Then he, in verse 6 he says, And the husbandman, the farmer that laboreth, must first be first partaker of the fruits. find it interesting, now he goes to the farmer. It's an interesting change because soldiers and athletes are kind of exciting. Farmers, not so much. I grew up in farming country. I grew up in farming community. One of my first jobs was working on that farm, taking hay bales off the field and putting them on the wagon and then having to put them up in the hay mow. Nobody came out to take pictures of us doing that. They, they weren't covering that on ESPN. In fact, when they make movies about athletes and, and soldiers, they're exciting. When they make movies about farmers, they don't very often. But when they do, the animals usually have to talk. Otherwise, nobody's interested. And yet, what a wonderful picture of just being faithful. Not because people are watching. Not because there are trophies or medals or rewards, but to please God. And then Paul concludes this section in verse 7 and says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding. He's saying, Paul, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, think about these. Think about that soldier. Think about that athlete. Think about that farmer and be found faithful. I had a wonderful example of this in my father-in-law, my wife's father. He pastored the same church in New Jersey for over 60 years. I said to him after the 50th anniversary, I said, 50 years in the same church? That is amazing. And he, and he said, well, it wasn't the same congregation. I thought, you know, that's pretty true. Over 60 years, you're going to see people grow up and, 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 and see a generation change. But it was just a tiny church. He was bivocational for all of that time. He worked as a public school teacher and as a pastor. In fact, he wasn't full-time until he retired as a teacher. But he was faithful. And in pastoring that church, 
he was able to impact that community. When he was diagnosed with an, a brain tumor, they, they said, you probably have about six months to live or we can do treatment and, and go through radiation and a number of things and you might get a year. And he said, I, knowing what the, that treatment would do, it really wasn't extending a, his life. It was really just prolonging the dying process. He said, no, he said, I want to be alert. And so everywhere he would go, he would tell people that, that he was dying, what was going on, because he knew these people, and then he would tell them why they needed to know Christ. When he got too weak to be able to travel, he would sit in his garage with the door open, and people would walk by and come up and talk with him, and he would tell them that he was sick and what was taking place and give them the gospel. And when he went to be with the Lord, the people that came from all over that community that he had impacted School superintendents, teachers he had taught with years ago, friends in the community, people whose lives he had touched that nobody knew, but God knew. Thought, what a, what a living example of faithfulness to the admonition of God in this passage. That's why I said I believe only eternity will Im- reveal the impact that serving the Lord faithfully will have. So let me ask you as we conclude this morning. First of all, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here without Christ, you can trust him today. We would love to take the Bible and show you how you can have a relationship with him. And if you are, then are you being faithful? Has God called you to serve in an area where you say, you know, I'm not really comfortable. Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone? Assume that duty. So, well, I, I don't know if I can do that. Accept the difficulty. Or have the things of this world become a distraction? You know, I've got so many other things going. I just don't have time to serve the Lord. Avoid those distractions. Have you lost sight of why you are here and who you are serving? Let's live with eternity in view, anticipating decoration that we might hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Paul told Timothy that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus said, marvel not that the world hates you because it hated him. But we are on the winning side. Are you a faithful follower? of Jesus Christ.